welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of September 2014, entitled, Give Thanks Unto the Lord. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 1 to 36. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. You'd like to be opening your Bible in the Old Testament to the book of 1 Chronicles. Chapter 16, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and I guess that Chronicles is not normally the place that we think about turning when it comes to praise and thanksgiving. We normally think of all those lists and all those countless uh, uh, chronicles that are laid out for us there, Uh, but as we look here on this Harvest Thanksgiving, uh, I think you'll find that uh, uh, this really is a... uh, a time of praise and thanksgiving uh, of God's people. And we're going to to take our reading this morning in chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, and reading down through verse 36. Again, I apologize if some of it is muffled. I will try to speak as clearly as I can with a totally blocked up nose. And uh, so if you'd like to stand to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word this morning, again, reading from 1 Chronicles Chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. They offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. When David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief and next him, Zechariah, Jael, Sheremoth, Jehal, Metathiah, and Eliab, and Benaniah, and Obedidim, Jerial, and the psalteries with harps, but Asaph made a sound with cymbals. Benaniah also had Jehaziel, the priest, with trumpets continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Verse 8, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works, glory ye in his holy name, let the heart of them rejoice and seek the Lord, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying unto thee, Will I give the land of Canaan 
the lot of your inheritance, when ye were but few, even a few, and strangers in it, and when they went from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Seeing unto the Lord all the earth, show forth from day to day his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Given to the Lord, ye kindreds of the people, Given to the Lord glory and strength. Given to the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad. And let the earth rejoice. And let men say among the nations, the Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice in all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the woods sing out at the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the heathen that we may give thanks to thy holy name and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Father, we thank you again this morning, especially now for your precious word. Thank you that you have preserved it for us right down through the generations. And Lord, that here today we have it before us. Thank you for your spirit that lives within us that can give us the clear understanding that we need this day. So Father, we pray now, as you are the one that know the hearts of each and every individual, you know the need of this hour. We pray that you would, Lord, bring forth those words that are needed here today to speak to each heart to give to each one that that is most needed. We will give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory for all that you do. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. There's so much here that I would like to share, but I'm going to really attempt to put it in a nutshell for you this morning. I think that it's worthy to note before that we get into this psalm of thanksgiving as we began reading here in, in verse 1, this is a chapter that is literally throbbing with so much vital teaching for us. It's recorded for us here in God's Word as a song of praise and thanksgiving that notice that it comes after that the ark of God has found its place here in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. You see, true thankfulness will only come from our hearts when God 
has his rightful place in our lives. And that's where that this chapter begins here with God being given his rightful place. We find then that the sacrifices and the offerings were brought unto God and the people were blessing the name of the Lord. I would say to you this morning unashamedly, you know if you know me at all that I'm not a preacher that gets up and preaches on money, 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 money. But I believe with all my heart and I try to preach and teach you the principles of God's word that you will never outgive God. And the truth is, is that all true thankfulness is going to be shown in our giving, not our getting. The whole attitude of all of Scripture, God is the most giving of anyone that has ever been or ever will be. And God has taught us as Christians to be givers, to give as it's given unto us. You know that the principle is laid down in God's Word and we have looked at this in time past that from the time that God first called out a people, Abraham, he has had a principle in place. We find that these offerings that were brought, the first harvest thanksgiving was instituted by God himself. It was his people that brought those offerings, those gifts of thanksgiving to thank him what he had done for them. When he had led them out of captivity, when he had called his people out, we find that it was always the first fruits that God got. <laughs> so many times we talk about how thankful we are to God. You see, this is why I say it's got to begin with God in his rightful place. Because only when he is in his rightful place will we know true thanksgiving. We'll truly be thankful to him. It will not be a chore or an object or some law that we have to follow. Folks, the idea of tithing to God's work started before the law was even in existence. Melchizedek played, paid tithes, or Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, a type of Jesus Christ. We find that God is always, his people have brought the first fruits to him. We find that here in the beginning, God has given his rightful place. The ark right there in the center, the place. The people bring their offerings and their giving. And I'm saying to you, God's work isn't designed for us to have to go into the business in this world, to go to the world out there and beg and plead that you give us this and you do this so that we can do God's work. God's work all through Scripture is carried out by God's people. And when God's people put him first and put him in the center of everything, when God's people are truly thankful in their heart, the giving is going to come naturally and it's going to be a blessing, not a chore. Folks, when he's got the rightful place in your heart, he deserves more than just your leftovers. He deserves more than what's just left after everybody else has had theirs. Give God the first fruits. We say that, you know, every day is a day of thanksgiving for the Christian. It's not just this harvest Sunday that we set aside. But as we focus our attention there today, it should be a lifestyle for us. You see, 
We find that as they brought their offerings in verse 2, notice in verse 3, and he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf and a good a piece of flesh and a flagon of wine, their fellowship. It was after they gave God the first fruits that then they were given to, they had their fellowship one with another. And you know, I believe that when God has his rightful place in a life, thankfulness will genuinely come from the heart. He tells us here that, you know, there were certain ones that were appointed, these ministers that were appointed to do the word and the music and the different parts of worship, just like we do today, to give thanks. And that all of it was to be recorded. And thank God it was recorded. And we have it before us on this day. The song of thanksgiving that was recorded here is also found in these verses 7 through 36 is also recorded. Verses 8 through 22 of that is recorded in Psalm 105 verses 1 to 15. So as we note these things of importance here, I want to first of all, I just want to, to note what they were so thankful for in these verses. And then I want to highlight that into a nutshell of just a few things that it ought to do for us in our lives. In verse 8, he says, Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. This is a people that, you know, it's not just knowing all that God has done. But as we give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, we're making those deeds known among the people. We won't be ashamed to stand up and thank God for what he's doing. Thank God that he's done these things in our lives. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Verse 9 says, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Anybody ever sing in the shower? <laughs> you know, the truth is, is that it's just a way that we're made. You know, when we're at peace, when we're joyful, when we're happy, those words tend to come out of our mouth in some kind of a music form. What are we singing today? Are we singing the garbage of the world and that's what's making us happy? Or are we singing unto the Lord? Is that a natural part of us? Are we, are we singing those praises to him? Is that a natural part of what's flowing out of us? Because that's what our joy is. That's where our thankfulness is coming from. Singing to him. Talk of, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Verse 10, glory in his holy name. Let the heart Rejoice. Verse 11, though, he talks about something else here. He says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. You see, I honestly, genuinely believe that that's a natural desire of somebody that has God in the rightful place. We're seeking him. We want to be in his presence. We want to know that we're in his presence. We're going to be seeking our strength from him, not from this world. Verse 12, remember what he's done. His wonders and his judgments. He goes on to tell us to remember who he is. He is the Lord our God. His judgments 
are in all the earth. Verses 15 to 22, he really is reminding us to remember his words, to remember his promises, to remember what God has said to you. That's part of what we, God's timing is right as we began in our Bible study this morning. That, you know, sometimes just as that song that we sang, now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices. It's amazing how that so many times some of the deepest heartfelt thanks and praises come out of the midst of dark and terrible situations where that the world would not grasp how anybody could be thankful for anything. I was reminded of another story that probably would have been a part of my history, but not yours. Just about 15 years before that song was written in 1636, there was another group of people that left these shores. They were called many things, but many would have called them the pilgrims. And of course, as they followed that harvest Thanksgiving tradition that was a part of this culture, when they founded their new society on the shores of America, they were acknowledging their gratitude to God. But what many don't realize is they were acknowledging their gratitude to God in spite of the fact that when they had that first Thanksgiving there with those Native Americans, that in that first year, half of all the residents that had come had died. They didn't even make it through the first year. Four out of 24 families had been completely wiped out. There was nobody left in them. Fourteen out of the 18 wives were dead. They weren't there. And yet, following a year like that, they made the decision to thank God for his goodness I'm saying to you that true thankfulness when God has his rightful place in our heart, they are not based on the circumstances around us. They're not based upon the things that most of the eyes of the world will be upon. Remember. Remember his promises. <laughs> Remember. Folks, we know the end of the story we know where it's all going. We know where it's all headed. We not only know what God, by his grace, has done for us already, we know what he's still doing for us and what the future holds for us. How can we not be thankful? In verse 23, he tells us again to sing unto him, to show his salvation tells us in verse 24 to declare him to the world. We ought to be so proud of what he's done for us. We don't need to be a theologian. We don't need to have all of this deep knowledge of terms and ideas to share Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation with the world. 
We need to know Jesus Christ and we need to know what Jesus has done in our lives so that we can share that with others. If Jesus hasn't done it in your life, then it might be kind of hard to share it. We're not talking about sharing a dose of religion. We're not talking about sharing a dose of good intentions. We're talking about sharing Jesus Christ. We're talking about sharing the greatest news that's ever been, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does he have his rightful place in your life? If we are truly thankful, which we will be when he has his rightful place, then this is going to be a natural part of it, declaring him to the world will be a natural thing for us. He reminds us here to remember his greatness. Reminds us to praise him and yet at the same time to fear him. He is a God of judgment. We don't go around afraid that he's going to do it. We know that he's the one that's going to keep anything bad, detrimental from happening to us. We know that he is our protector. He is our strength. He is our God. He is everything we need him to be. But he is a righteous God. Verse 28 and 29, we're told again, just as their practice was when they met together in the beginning of this chapter, he says, give unto the Lord. Preacher, why do you want us to give? I'm not asking you to give so that I can have more. You know what? This may sound really kind of stupid to to the world and to a lot of people. I'm not even asking you to give so that this church can survive. Now, the truth is, if somebody doesn't pay the light bill, if somebody doesn't pay all the bills of all the different things that go on, if somebody doesn't put money in to do these things, guess what? They'll shut the lights off. They'll shut this down, they'll shut that down, they'll do all these things. But the truth is, God's work is not dependent upon whether I keep the lights on or you keep the lights on. You should want to do that because of all that he's done for you. The truth is, that's the way the church survives. And it doesn't survive when you're keeping it for yourself. You're just, that's not a thankful heart. (laughs) That's not a God that has the rightful place. You're saying, my needs are are more important. My wants are more important because there is not a soul here this morning that can look me in the eyes and honestly say that you're in such detrimental need that if you have to take the first fruits that should be his and keep for yourself in order for you to survive and be happy. You don't know how most of this world is living if you even think that. The truth is, A thankful heart is a giving heart. We're to give to the Lord. But you see, I don't want you to give. I I honestly believe this. If you don't give anything, there's nothing in there next week to pay the light bills. There's nothing in there to pay the preacher. There's nothing in there to, to, to buy all the essential things that make this place keep going. Guess what? God's work is going to go on. God's work is not dependent upon you, and it's not dependent upon me. We're blessed to be a part of it. You know, we're blessed to be a part of what he is doing. You need to give for your sake, not for God's. 
You need to give because it's coming from a thankful heart because you're truly thankful. You really recognize that it's all of God. It all belongs to him. That his work ought to have a place in your heart that he gets the first fruits. So he reminds us again here to give to him, not just things though, also to give him the glory that he's due. To worship him in the beauty of holiness. Remember, He's the one that's holding it all together. He tells us in verse 31 that we need to rejoice in that fact. Let the heaven be glad and let the earth rejoice and let men say among the nations, the Lord reigneth. He is the one that's on the throne. He is the one that's in control. Verse 32 and 33, some people think, nature, yeah. Go read Romans chapter 8 and you'll find out that nature is also groaning groaning under the curse of sin, waiting for that glorification that will come one day when he comes and makes it all new. That sin curse is gone. Here, nature is actually rejoicing and and praising him. We find that he tells us again in verse 34, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us together and deliver us from the heathen that we may give thanks to thy holy name and glory and thy praise. Why do we want to be saved from the heathen? So that we can thank him and praise him and give him the glory that he's due, not for what it will do for me. All the people. They said amen or amen or whichever way they said it. (laughs) And they praised the Lord. I want to draw you just a couple of things that I want you to remember of these verses. First of all, the fact that he tells us very clearly here, what is it that we are seeking today? What is it that you really want? What are you searching for? What do you want for your life? You see, he tells us very clearly here in verse 11, he said, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face when? Continually. Continually. Is that the real desire? Is that the depth of our heart? Is that what we're seeking for? You see, first of all and foremost, now I'm not ashamed to tell you this this morning because You know, I love you, and I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that uh, you've done whatever things that you have have done to be a good person and to to live a good life and to treat other people like they need to be treated and then all of those things. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, he says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you, or seek, and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you, for every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. You see, I'm asking you this morning, you know, have you sought the Lord first of all and foremost for salvation that you could truly belong to him? All that head religion knowledge in the world will do absolutely nothing. He needs a rightful place. That's where it's all going to begin. 
And the only way he can get the rightful place is, first of all, for you to seek him in salvation, to know, to know that you're his and to know that he's yours. All this stuff in the world, all of it. I'm not talking about just the bad stuff. I'm talking about the best stuff out there. It doesn't compare to him. He's what you need above all and most of all, above everything else. He's the one that needs to have the rightful place in your life, in your heart. You need to seek him. You need to seek him to know that life that we find in him is the only life that's going to last. Everything else is temporal. Everything else is coming to an end. Seek the Lord. Seek his strength. You know, even as a Christian, if you're a child of God here today, don't be trying to stand on your own. Don't be trying to do it on your own. He's the one there's for. We could turn to Scripture after Scripture after Scripture to support what we're seeing right here in this passage. But we find that he's the one that will be there, that will give us that strength. In Acts chapter 9, the Word of God tells us in verse 17, he says, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. When he was, had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that the most important thing in the world is to seek the Lord, to know without a shadow of a doubt. I can't say anything here today that's more vital, that's more important than that you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that you have humbled yourself and cried out for mercy and sought forgiveness the only way that it can come, and that's through the finished work of Jesus Christ, his shed blood on Calvary. He's the one that conquered death. He's the one that rose the third day after he had conquered it. He's the one that sits there on the right hand of God today, your only mediator today. Seek him. This psalm is making it very clear. We need to seek him. He must have the rightful place in our life. And as Christians, just as Saul, this guy was one... Man, what is it? This guy here, I mean, he's going out there and he's preaching Jesus now and he, he's declaring the gospel, but this is the guy that was throwing them in jail for doing the same thing the other day. Matter of fact, that was the reason he came here, was to put a stop to this. The Bible says he continued to grow stronger. You see, as a child of God, 
It's not what you can do. It's what God can and will do through you. We see here today, it's got to begin with God in his rightful place. That begins with us seeking him, seeking his strength, seeking his face, knowing that fellowship. It's going to be shown in what comes out of us as well. You see, it begins on the inside, but then it comes out because not only is it in what we're seeking, but he tells us here in verse 9, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. He tells us in verse 23, sing unto the Lord all the earth, show forth from day to day his salvation. I'm saying that when God has his rightful place and you're the only one, nobody else can seek that for you. Only you can seek that for yourself. If you're here and you're lost and you need to be saved, only you can seek God with your heart for salvation. But Christian, only you can seek God for the strength in your life. I have the rightful place in your life. The thing is, when he does, it should be expressed in what's coming out of us. If all the earth, he says here, should sing unto the Lord, how much more should those of us that have been saved, that have been redeemed, that have experienced his grace, a truly thankful heart, is never short of words, is never short of a song on their lips. They can sing like nobody else can sing. They can sing with a heart that others can only hope for. You see, we should seek the Lord. And that seeking should be expressed in our singing, in our expressions. And of course, we've already said, when God has our rightful place, when we've sought him, whoever we are, and when from our hearts we're expressing him in our song, in our testimony, in sharing and praising him, he tells us here that one of the first actions that's going to come is our giving. Verse 8, verse 28, verse 29, one of the best ways that we can show our thanks to the Lord is to give, first of all, to give him ourselves. You know, that's what we read about in 2 Corinthians there, chapters 8 and 9, when we talk about faith promise and them giving beyond their means for the work of missions and all of that. First of all, first of all, they gave themselves. When God's got us, we won't be so focused on the pocketbook and the handbag and the checking account and all those things that we've accumulated the truth is, is that we'll be a giving heart. First of all, giving to him the first fruits, giving him the glory that he's due, giving him the thanks, the praises, and all that goes with it. We sing the song sometimes, freely you have received, freely, freely give. God has given it all to us. So we find that in giving thanks to the Lord, in really giving thanks from our hearts, that first of all begins by seeking Him and having that rightful place in our lives and our hearts. It'll be expressed through our being and our song and our testimony. 
It'll be expressed in our giving, giving to God first fruits and giving to others as we have been so greatly and richly blessed. It'll be given, do you believe or not? It'll even be expressed in what others never see and hear, but in what's going on in your head, in what you're thinking, in what you're thinking. He tells us here in verse 12, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. Remember, remember his works. We need to remember the things that the Lord has done for us. What has God done for you? What has he performed in your life? He says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth, his wonders. You know, it's a wonder to me that God could ever love me, let alone all the things that he's ever done for me. God does things that not only no one else could do for you, but that nobody else would do for you. Remember his works. Remember his wonders. Remember his words. <laughs> he tells us here to remember his judgments. It's part of the work of, of God. That's why a lot of people don't want to hear God's word preached. They just want to pat on the back for who they already are. They don't want to be changed. God's word will change you. You can't let God's Word have its rightful place in your life and do the work that it's meant to do and stay the same old person. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. So people get afraid of it. They leave it laying. It lays there. If they're lucky, they might remember to pick it up to bring it along to church on Sunday. You see, he's telling us here, we need to, we need to remember what the Lord's told us. We need to remember his words and his judgments. Everybody will stand at one of two judgment seats one day, not to decide uh, where you're going, because that will already have been decided. There'll be nothing you can do about that then. But you'll either be at the judgment seat of Christ, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, or you'll be at that great white throne of judgment. Remember, he also tells you in verse 15, be ye mindful always of his covenant. Now, I know God has covenants with Israel that it's wrong for the church to take. God had a covenant people in the nation of Israel. But I want you to know also, we've got a new covenant. <laughs> we've got a new and a living way. We've got a covenant that's been made to you and I. God's promises to you. And the truth is here, he's saying, remember. Remember what God has promised you. Remember what God is going to do for you. Because they're all here. They're wonderful and they're magnificent. The problem is we go around feeling down and depressed and how terrible things are and how hard life is. When the wonders of God's works are laying right there, but we don't have time for them. We're thinking on all the wrong things. We're thinking of what society's got before us. We're thinking of what we're going to do with our lives and what we're doing right now and what we've got to do. He's saying to us here, remember, think on him, his works, his wonders, his words. 
The Bible tells us, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your minds. You gotta think different. You can't think like the world. You can't think like they program you to think. You can't think in those ways and be transformed. You will be conformed to this world if you think like this world. But God's word will transform you into something new, into a new creation, in something this world can't do by the renewing of your mind. You've got to start thinking like him. Remember him. Think upon him. And of course, I want to give you this as just a closing thought this morning. You see, I believe that in all of this, that it comes back. He tells us here in verse 9, he said, Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. You see, as his people, First of all, we, we should be talking about what God is doing amongst our lives. That's part of what this evening is going to be about. Don't avoid it. Has God done anything good in your life that you're thankful for? Then share it. Speak it out, he says here. Tell what God's done for you. Give him the thanks that he's due. He deserves it. It might be just a simple word. Somebody else needs to be reminded of what God has done for them. But he also tells us down in verse 24, declare his glory among the heathen. You see, we're not only to speak it amongst each other, to encourage one another, to build each other up. We're supposed to tell that ungodly world out there what a great God we serve and what that God is doing in our lives and what he's done for us. Declare it amongst the heathen, he says here. We can't be ashamed to let them know it's God that's done it all. It's God to whom we give all the glory and all the things. So this morning, I just want to remind you, you know, I was really, really, really struggling because I, I don't know if any of you have ever preached and know what it's like. I, I really had these two sermons that I was struggling with all week. And I didn't know why, but I knew that finally in the end that God had brought me to this particular passage. You see, God knew who would be here this morning. Maybe God is just wanting to remind you this morning. Life might be tough. Life might be bad. But in a situation like a German pastor that was in a thing that most of us can only think of something like that as being make-believe. That many people dying, that many funerals, that kind of horror. Folks, that wasn't just in 1636. There are war zones today while we sit here in our comfort. People's lives are being ripped about and they see all this death and everything around them. And yet we, find it so hard because we're thinking about all these things we're complaining about and what we don't have and what we can't do instead of praising God and thanking him for his goodness. There was a time when these 
fruit and vegetables before us today would have been brought in straight out of the fields of the people because that's how they lived. Now, we go to Tesco or Sainsbury or Morrison's or I better be careful, I'll leave somebody out and get sued for false advertising, but they go to the supermarkets that buy it off the shelf. But guess what? It's still the same God that gives the increase. It's still the same God that puts it there. Sometimes our lives can take us in a society to where we're removed from so many of the day-to-day blessings that God himself is the only one that can give it to us today. There's so much to be thankful for. If Christians around the world can be so grateful and thankful in such horrible conditions where we are at today, you see, maybe, just maybe, it's right where it all begins. Maybe today God doesn't have his rightful place in our hearts. Because I honestly believe with all my heart that if God's got his rightful place in your heart, these other things that we've talked about are going to come naturally. It will change the way that we express ourselves in song and in speech. It will change the way that we look at things in our generosity and our giving and God getting his first and us being a giving people of giving to those that are in such need. I believe that it will have a very, very natural effect. The fruit that comes forth in us declaring him and giving him the praise and blessings, not only amongst each other, but amongst the heathen lost world out there today. May I remind you, he deserves your thanks. He deserves all the glory that you can give him. We're going to sing for a closing hymn. I even debated over that a little bit. It's, uh, it's a song that is sung sometimes at harvest. But I sing mostly because even though the song is written primarily towards one that, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that has heard the gospel that's been almost persuaded, but just wouldn't quite do it. You know, there may be somebody here this morning. All kinds of things may have happened. You may have heard all kinds of things, and there may have been times in your life when you've been almost persuaded that you needed Jesus Christ, but you've never made that commitment. You can do it today. But Christians, may I say that that truth is true for us too because sometimes we've been almost persuaded to give God his rightful place. Maybe we have been saved but God doesn't really have the rightful place in our life where he is the center, the focus of everything we are and everything that we do. And may I encourage you this day that if you'll give God the rightful place in your life, you'll have the, the, the greatest heart of thankfulness that you've ever experienced and known because when he has his rightful place, then true thankfulness will come for all the wonderful things that you have been blessed with for all the wonderful things that you have rather than all the things you don't or the things you wished. If you'd like to open your hymnals this morning, number 286, let's stand and sing this for our closing hymn. And I would simply say to you as we sing these words this morning, we're not here to put on a show.
We're not here to play spiritual games, but we're here today. If God has spoken to you, if you'd like to pray with someone, if you'd like to speak with someone, then we're here to help you if we possibly can.